Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Do not go gentle into that good night. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And this is Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, friend, welcome and hello. Both hands are up, waving at you, smiling. Oh, my God, welcome. Hey. So this week, we are, I mean, ecstatic. And Kristen's ecstatic, too, I can say this, because I've been talking this case up for as long as I've been working on it, which is a couple days. And, and it's my birthday weekend. Don't play. I was about to say, and she's turning 27 on the 27th, her golden year. So, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Happy birthday, sister. Thank you. We love you. Thank Take you. Take a good picture so we can post it and everyone can shout you out. I'll do my best. I'll be in the woods. So we're going to see. She will be. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys for coming back this week. This case is going to take you for a motherfucking ride. Ooh. So just be prepared. But before we get started, I do want to shout out the person that requested our last week's episode. Her name is Glenessa J. Hey, Glenessa. We forgot to shout you out, friend. And she was very polite when she let me know. Oh, period. <laughs> and it was her birthday week. So happy belated birthday. We're sorry about that. Happy belated Vanessa. Glenessa. Glenessa. I like yes. that. Yeah, it's cute. Um, yeah, it was a great case last week. If you haven't listened to it, I highly suggest it. It was it was really fun. It was wild. A lot of people loved it. So are you ready for this week, sister? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get started. On Sunday, August 15th, 1982, there was a celebration going on in Chicago called the Bud Billiken Parade, where thousands of black people gather every summer in commemoration of our past and a celebration of our future. As the day went on, the crowd started to thin, and around 1 a.m. in the morning is when our case would begin. So join us as we discuss what happened that day and the story of Anthony Porter. Not you rhyming. It was an accident, but it flew. I loved it. It flowed. I loved it. It was given Dr. Seuss. Thanks, sister. Mm-hmm. Racist ass, but, you know, what can we do? Mm-hmm. All right. Around 1 a.m., so we're going straight into what happened. Wait a minute. Do I get a segment time? I was going to say something really quick, but Kristen, what do you have for us this week in regards to Black History? Okay, so shout out to Kayla for giving me my BHS segment today. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wants to talk about, or we want to talk about, Bud Billiken. Mm. So we know we love a good parade, child, some of us. So let's <laughs> talk about the self-acclaimed largest Black parade in the United States, the Bud Billiken Parade. Ooh. Ever since 1929, it's been held and hosted in Chicago, mm-hmm. okay, every second Saturday of August. But why? In 1923, Robert Sangstack Abbott, mm. the founder of the Chicago Defender newspaper, and his editor, David Kellum, created mm-hmm. a fictional character, Bud Billiken. And they did this because they were, I guess, supporting some type of youth group going right. on in the community. Right. So they created this figure, and it was supposed to be like a mythical figure that brought good luck. Mm. Well, 
it kind of stirred something up in them to say, well, let's create a whole Bud Billiken parade to basically celebrate the black youth of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Ever since 1929, they've been doing it every single year. Yes. The likes of Jim Lewis, I think he's a heavyweight boxer, Duke Ellington, James Brown, oh. even pre- former President Harry Truman would show their faces at this parade every single, well, not every single year, but the years that they came. Right. So it was a huge hit. It still is. And I recommend all of our Chicago people that y'all show up if y'all have not shown up already. Yeah. The Bud Billiken Parade, y'all. So last comment, there have been 93 annual Bud Billiken Parades since Jeez. it began. Wow. That's phenomenal. I love that. I'd never heard about it until this case. Me so. That's really dope. And I would check it out if I was in Chicago. Check it out. Thank you, sister, for that quick trip down history lane. You're welcome. All right, here we go. Around 1 a.m. on Monday, August 16th, Chicago police received a call about gunshots being heard near the pool in Washington Park on Chicago's south side. When Officer Anthony Lyons arrived, he found 19-year-old Marilyn Green bleeding profusely from a gunshot wound to her neck. She was still conscious because she was able to travel from where she got shot all the way down the bleachers. So she got shot up at the top of the bleachers, traveled down, ran to get help, and was able to tell the officer that her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jerry Hillard, was still up in the bleachers and needed help ASAP. Oh, no. Yes, girl. She was then put into a squad car and rushed to the hospital. Officer Lyons ran toward the bleachers, and on his way, he saw a man running from the scene who'd later be identified as Anthony Porter. Ooh, we already know who did it. Okay. And he stopped him. (laughs) He searched his body but found no weapon on him, so he let him go. I wonder, what's more important, getting to the victim that's dying on the bleachers or getting to the person who could have possibly done it? Great question. I think... I don't know. I mean, until you're in that situation, you don't really know what to do. And I'm sure when you see someone running away, you're like, oh, my gosh, let me go get this guy, you know. And I know he had backup coming. So maybe he just thought there was a chance. Mm. He and two witnesses then ran to find Jerry, who had been shot in the head twice. My God. And was in critical condition. He wasn't dead? No, he was still alive. Oh, bless his heart. They quickly carried him down the bleachers and put him in a waiting ambulance, and he, too, was rushed to the hospital. Mm. Unfortunately, neither one of the teenagers survived their injuries and died at the hospital. Oh, my God, Kayla. I know. Imagine seeing somebody come in alive and leave deceased. I know. And being in critical condition. I mean, homegirl was shot in her neck. Right. But she was talking. She was up. Mm -hmm. She was able to at least motion to where her boyfriend was. So this is Marilyn. Oh, rest in peace to Marilyn. And unfortunately, we don't have any pictures of Jerry. I scoured the Internet, y'all. So you can't even say that I didn't try Mm because I tried. And the only picture that we have of him is when he's on, unfortunately, the autopsy table. I won't be posting it anywhere other than Patreon because, you know, Patreon gets everything. Right. So this is Jerry after he'd been shot and he's obviously deceased. Oh, my God. Jerry. Holy moly, this is sad. So, These rest in peace. Beautiful black souls. I know. Are gone. I know. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to both of them. According to medical examiner Joanne Richmond, Marilyn had three gunshot wounds. So, she was shot three times. She was shot twice in the right side of her neck at close range and a third time through her left hand, which suggests she was like 
shielding herself when she got shot. So it went through her hand Mm -hmm. and she bled out due to those injuries. So if you're on Patreon, you see the fatal injuries she went through as well. And again, I won't be posting it anywhere else. Jerry was shot twice at close range in the head and died of those injuries. So off bat, it was very evident to police that this was a murder. But they would soon learn that the main motive was robbery because the killer had stolen Marilyn's money and her jewelry. What? But that was the main motive? Mm -hmm. To shooting them point blank range? Right. He killed them because I guess she fought to not give up her jewelry. Wow. Right. So that's how you know whoever did this is just a fucking asshole and probably violent in in his everyday life anyway. Yeah. So a little backstory on why the couple was even there so late. It was a special occasion. Like we know it was the parade Mm -hmm. and even the police officers in the city were aware of this. The pool was technically closed, but people were still hopping the fence and sneaking in to try and take a little dip. You know, you know know what we do as you do, Mm -hmm. which again, I said police were aware of, but wasn't stressing because they knew it was just like harmless fun. This is an annual parade. We know how they get down. Exactly. We're not new to this. We're true to this. Mm -hmm. This meant that during the time of the murder, there were other people present at the pool, which means there were witnesses to the crime. Period. Mm -hmm. The best case scenario of a murder. Yes. This is what you want. The witnesses, William Taylor and Henry Williams, and we'll talk more about them in a little bit, claimed that while they were swimming, they heard gunshots ring out. And when they looked in the direction of the bleachers, both men recalled seeing the same person. Someone they were familiar with from the neighborhood. Okay. Anthony Porter. Hmm. Anthony, what did you do? Yeah, what you was doing out there. And this is where things get a little tricky. So William Taylor had initially told police at the scene that he didn't see the shooter, but later told police at the station that he saw Anthony Porter running away from the scene after the shooting. So initially he was like, I don't know, you know, my name's Bennett, I ain't in it. Okay. Henry actually ended up telling police Yo, he's lying. You know, he's just scared. He doesn't want to tell you guys because this guy is no fucking good. The guy that actually did it. Okay. So, you know, we did see who it was. And then once he gets to the station, he lets them know, you're right, I did. It was Anthony. Mm, mm, mm. Right. So he was interrogated for like 17 hours, which didn't look good. It made people think like, okay, he was coerced into saying that it was Anthony. Well, he also could have been coerced into telling the truth. That's the thing. That's a fine line. Because if you if you know something but you don't want to snitch, mm-hmm. you know, what's the difference between somebody making it seem like, oh, you were forced to say something? How yeah. do you how do you see the difference in that? By the corroborating witness that saw the same dude. Correct. And Henry was like, I ain't about to play. He did it. Henry and was a You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. At the end of his interrogation, he identified Anthony out of a mugshot book. So either word traveled real fast and Anthony knew his name had been said to the police or he knew he did it and came in because they did issue a warrant for his arrest pretty soon after, especially since Officer Lyons remembers pulling him over. Ooh. Remember when he was yeah, running when away, he was running you remember away. seeing him. So mm-hmm. once an officer is like, yeah, I saw you running from the scene, they want to talk to you immediately. And two witnesses say that you were there? Not just two. And we're going to get to that. So he brings himself into the police station mm-hmm. and he's basically saying from jump, I didn't do it. They got the wrong guy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. William and Henry pointed Anthony out of a police lineup. So they lined him up next to a bunch of other nickels. 
And (laughs) if you're on Patreon, you see him. He's the one on the end to the left. This is hard because last case you fooled me. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a person that it was not. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to be so quick to judge this time. Yeah, give it a second. Give me a second. So, yeah. They pointed him out in the lineup. Two more witnesses later came forward. So Kenneth Edward and Michael Woodfork and recalled seeing Anthony kill the two teenagers. Mm. So Kenneth straight up told them, I saw him, bam, 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 fire the shots that killed these two teenagers. Okay. They even remembered speaking to Anthony saying, hey, Tone, because he went by Tony as well, because he was the only person that they knew out of the four people that were sitting up there in the bleachers. Come on, Tone. Right. So they claimed, hey, well, we walked in, we saw three men and one woman sitting on the bleachers. Now, I'll let you guys know now, the third guy who was sitting up there was never identified. Okay. But from what we know, it's apparently Anthony was up there and Jerry was up there in Maryland. Okay. In total, there were six people that pointed the finger at Anthony saying that they'd seen him in the park near the pool that night. Oh, my God, Tone. You can't, you're not really getting out of this. It's not looking good. At this point? It's not looking good. Six people? And some of them didn't even know each other. They just knew Anthony from the neighborhood. Mm. So even though the police didn't have any other physical evidence tying him to the murders, he was still arrested on the spot. Okay. 27-year-old Anthony was born on December 14th, 1954, and he was known in the area for being a bit of a troublemaker. All right. Here Mm -hmm. we go. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Same old song. The paper trail. Yep. He had a record for robbing people in the past and most recently in the exact same location as where the murders happened. Mm -hmm. And it was just a few minutes prior. What? Kristen. Wait, what? Let's get into it. The gall on this man. One of the witnesses, Henry, said that Anthony had held a gun to his head and demanded money from him. And when he said he didn't have any, Anthony reached into his pocket and took the $2 that he did have and then told him he was getting a break. Okay. Like, I'm letting you off. I'm going to give you these $2 I got. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put this gun away that I just had at your head. No, he took the $2 from Henry's pocket. Oh. Yeah. He didn't give that's why I was confused. Like, are you a because I know you're known in the neighborhood, so you one of them type of thugs. Mm -mm. Okay, this is weird either way, but now we know that Anthony has a gun on him. That's what I was about to say. So we know he's a thieving ass, robbing ass, (laughs) and he carries a weapon, right? He also was associated with some gangs in the area, so he was just not the type of guy you wanted to be around. It's not looking good. If someone said, hey, Anthony did this, more than likely someone's going to believe it. And they're knowing Anthony because of his bad rep, not because, oh, I know your mama from down the street. That may be it, but also it's because I know you be thugging. Exactly. And the fact that multiple people saw him fleeing the scene after the murders, it's just one plus two equals three at this point. It's not given for Anthony. No, it's not. When police spoke with Ofra Green, which was Marilyn's grieving mother, she told them that she felt like a man named Al Story Simon may have had something to do with the murders Ooh. and that it was all over drug money. Oh, so she had heard this like within the grapevine. I really don't know where it started, but she was comfortable enough to tell this to police. Okay. And she also claimed to have seen Al Story and his wife, Inez Jackson, with the two victims. Okay. 
So this ca- this case has like a lot of different names and stuff. And I'm going to keep reminding you guys throughout like who these people are so you don't get too confused. Yeah, because I'm thinking like maybe our story has something to do with Tone. Maybe he knows Tone. Maybe he's the higher guy up in the gang or mm-hmm. whatever. And mm-hmm. Tone's just the, like the shooter. That could be a possibility because like I said, this is a community pretty close knit. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know each other. Mm-hmm. When police questioned our story and Inez, both of them claimed that they weren't even in Washington Park at the time of the murders and that our story had no beef with Jerry. But Oprah, Marilyn's mom, was convinced they had something to do with it because a few days after they, they were questioned, they moved into like a different neighborhood in Chicago. And apparently our story said they moved because there was so much gang activity where they were living. They needed to get the fuck. Which is fair. And then they ended up moving to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So just completely out of the state. Damn. Yeah. That's far as hell. I'm about to say, so I can kind of It looks see, sketchy. As the mother, you want to put two and two together of who did this to your child and the fact that someone that someone pointed the finger at is just up and leaving doesn't look good. Right. It's, it's giving sketchy. Well, right. she pointed the finger at Al's Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. I don't know who told her initially that this was, um, our story was a possible suspect. Yeah. But, you know, she kind of heard it and ran with it. So this and then is he ran. And then he ran is what it looks like. So despite Ofra's suspicions, police never questioned our story again. And they moved forward with the arrest and prosecution of Anthony Porter for the two murders. It and was, then they tacked on a, a robbery charge as well. Because it was Maryland a clearer was option. Right. And if convicted, he would be facing the death penalty. Oof. Yeah. They wanted to give him the chair. Anthony's family felt that he would have a better chance with a private lawyer instead of a public defender. Duh. Duh. So they hired Akeem Gersel, who agreed to represent Anthony for $10,000. Fair. Okay. But the family only paid him three k So Akeem <laughs> later admitted that once his fee wasn't paid, he kind of just stopped caring. Trying. Yes. <laughs> trying, investigating, caring, all the the above family if you're gonna say you're gonna pay the man for 10k pay the man 10k it's hard to find a lawyer that's just gonna represent you out of the goodness of his heart it's still a business right especially on a double murder like you know pay the man either way when it came time for the trial in september of 1983 if you want a brief example of how prepared and invested anthony's defense was i read that his attorney akeem actually fell asleep at one point during the trial and the judge had to wake him up that's a damn shame you got paid he might as well have gotten a public defender <laughs> exactly people falling asleep in jail i mean sorry in court in court and they are tasked with saving your life i'd be pissed i would have slapped him in the back of the head yes. if i was anthony <laughs> wake your ass up wake your ass up 3k or 10k bitch you're here you're so here. do what you're supposed to do mm-hmm William Taylor and a man named Henry, we already talked about him, testified that on the night of the murders around 1 a.m., they hopped the Washington Park fence and entered the pool area. And they saw Jerry and Marilyn sitting in the bleachers on the west side of the pool. Henry testified about how he was robbed by Anthony shortly before the murders. And then he saw Anthony in the area of the bleachers and soon after heard the shots. So he just told them what he saw, what he's been saying from the beginning. Okay. William was still swimming and was getting out to dry himself off when he looked over and saw Anthony pointing a gun. So he saw him pointing the gun less than two feet away from the couple. He said Anthony shot Jerry, who fell back, and then he shot him again. 
And this was seen by Anthony. Yes. Anthony said he... No. Sorry. Sorry. William. William. William said he saw Anthony do this. Anthony then ran away, passing William on the way out of the pool area. So from this account, there's no way William could have confused Anthony with anybody else. Right. Especially with him running away that close to him. Mm-hmm. And then him having run-ins with him around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know who this man is. When he was asked about why he didn't initially tell police who the killer was, he said he was scared for his life because Anthony's family was known in the area to be violent. Mm. And he was worried about what would happen to him and his 95-year-old grandmother, who he was living with at the time. Mm, he had peoples. Yeah. If you know this man is violent, of course you're going to be like, hold the phone. Should I snitch and tell them that he killed two people? Because he clearly isn't scared to do it it could kill two more me but and my grandmother i'm living in a neighborhood with a dude i know is volatile mm-hmm. i just seen him kill somebody mm-hmm. i'm not about to open my mouth unless you know i got four and five people behind me so right. at least he got options if you're gonna take somebody out you're gonna at least think twice about it right and on top of that william testified that he'd seen anthony rob two old men in the past and had even jumped one of his personal friends Anthony, what are you doing? And you then have he, no loyalty? No, Chris. And then look at Anthony. I mean, he looks like a fucking crusty, dusty, musty. Like a hoodlum. Like a like a thug. Like an old school thug. Like he wants to make you feel like y- you should be intimidated by him. He had... Like he gives a damn. <laughs> he doesn't look like he gives a single damn, Kayla. No, Kristen. No. When it came to the defense's case, they had three witnesses speak on Anthony's behalf. One was a man named Kenneth Doyle, who said he was with Anthony the day before the murders at Anthony's mother's house. They were drinking until 2 a.m. on the 15th and then went to a playground close by where they continued to drink until 9 a.m. So this basically means there's no possible way that Anthony could even even be in the park. Mm. Because the murders happened at 1 a.m. and they were at Anthony's mother's house until 2 but how many witnesses just saw him? So that's what I'm saying. What is so. it really giving? <laughs> they they scrapped up who they could mm-hmm. to testify on his behalf. <laughs> but when he was initially interviewed, when Kenneth was two days after the murders, he told police that the two were only drinking until 1030 that night. Ooh, And then Kenneth spent the rest of the night at home with his mother. So the story's changing. Mm-hmm. And then he said, why did he lie? It was because he was scared. He thought they were going to arrest him. Which is fair. A lot of people fear the police, but that's a huge difference in story. A First, complete time change. That's four hour difference. Not even 1030 to 9 a.m. because he claimed that he was with Anthony until 9 a.m. Not true, sir. Not true. Not true at all. It's not giving. The next witness was Eric Werner, a photographer who asked to photograph the murder scene. And he was asked to photograph it almost a year after the shooting. So I don't even know what the hell he could have been testifying on about Kayla what is he photographing I don't <laughs> I don't know that's why I said the defense was half sleepage they didn't even, they barely put on <laughs> their pants to come to court and figuratively exactly and then finally a woman named Georgia Moody who was in a relationship with one of Anthony's brothers and she testified that she saw Anthony at his mother's house on the evening of August 14th of course she did of course she did She said he and Kenneth were playing cards with her kids and they did not go out to the porch and they were not drinking. So she basically contradicted the other witness that they put on the stand. Which means y'all lying. Somebody's lying and under oath. So it just really just stabbed the defense's case 
right in the face. And they're stupid. Did they not even like get her together? Could they not even get these witnesses that they brought to the table on the same page? Could they? Yes. Did they? No. Probably not. Did they care? Definitely not. (laughs) The witnesses are just not giving credible. And she said Anthony didn't leave the house until 2.30 a.m. So that part is kind of still, she's still giving him an alibi. Yeah. For not being able to commit the murders. Mm -hmm. After deliberating for nine hours, the jury found Anthony Porter guilty of two counts of murder, one count of armed robbery, one count of unlawful restraint, and two counts of unlawful use of a weapon. So you're going to jail. Period. At at the very least, you're going to jail. You may be facing life. It's not looking good. Mm -hmm. I mean, or death. You're facing death for Mm -hmm. sure. So here comes the sentencing. Anthony's attorney, Hakeem, asked for the sentencing hearing to just be heard by a judge instead of a jury. And this was because since his fee hadn't fully been paid, a decision by the judge would just be quicker and require less work on Akeem's. Akeem is doing too much. And he sounds black and he has no like (laughs) care in the world for what's going to happen to Anthony. He's like filing his nails in court, just like waiting for this to be over. Mm, Probably mm, didn't even mm. object to anything for real. And Anthony's overlooking stupid. Mm -hmm. During this bench hearing, Akeem brought up the fact that one of the jurors and the mother of one of the victims had gone to the same church. And since this relationship was never disclosed, he was moving for a mistrial. Oh, uh-huh. The judge questioned the juror and the juror explained that I didn't even know we went to the same church. We don't have a relationship. Like we're not cool like that. And it had no bearing on my decision making in this case. So the judge was like, all right, we're cool. (laughs) (laughs) Just say, I believe you. Right. You want this to go fast. And let's do it. Exactly. He then brought up mitigating factors, like the fact that Anthony was one of nine children raised in the projects by a single mother. Mm -hmm. They brought up how he would help clean his local church and would run errands for an older man in the community. And he even helped his grandma who suffered from epileptic seizures. So he would like bring her food clean her house, stuff like that. So at this point, this is probably to like not have him get the death penalty. Correct. They basically said they, they had some people come and testify on his behalf saying if he was given the chance and his life was spared, he could be a useful citizen to the society. Mm-hmm. To prison. Cause he will be in prison for the rest of his life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he'd be living. And he did have the chance. That's the thing you lived at this point. He's 27 years old. You've lived a good part of your life. Yeah. And you've been a piece of shit. You've been robbing people and putting guns in their faces. And these are people you know. These are people around the neighborhood that you see on a daily basis. That you're so comfortable going up to and putting a gun in their face and robbing them for $2 in their pocket. Like, really sad. Really. Hey, y'all. So I know this sounds a little bit weird to ask, but do you have like a bad hand to mouth habit? Like maybe you eat too much. Right. You're just trying to replace that action that you may be you know really attached to perfect so let's try something different with fume fume is an innovative award nominated device that does just that to help you with that little you know bad part of that habit let's add something good yes fume has all natural flavors yep imagine like inhaling flavored air Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what it gives yes instead of vapor it's flavored air instead of electronics fume is completely natural fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting giving your fingers a lot to do and helps kind of de-stress you and 
helps with anxiety while breaking that hand to mouth habit. Period. It sounds complicated, but it's not. Imagine a piece of wood that (laughs) that gives you that thing that you need to have in your hand Mm -hmm. and in your mouth, Mm y'all. So if you're interested in what we're talking about or even like what the hell are you talking about, go to Trifume, that's T-R-Y-F-U-M dot com and use code Black True Crime to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code what? Black True Crime to save an additional 10% off your order today. Okay. Back to the case. So the prosecution pointed out how he squandered his chance of being a quote unquote useful citizen by sharing details of Anthony's criminal history up until that point. In 1979, he was placed on probation for jumping bail. Mm. He then violated probation two months later when he robbed and physically assaulted a man. There you go. Yeah. The guy was sitting on the same bleachers next to the pool where Jerry and Marilyn were killed when he robbed him. I mean, it's like he he can't control himself. There's an itch or something about this pool and these benches. You know what I'm saying? Like it's his go to robbing spot. He's super comfortable. He was sentenced to three years for that robbery charge, but was released after one and served the rest on parole. Mm. They described an incident that happened while Anthony was on parole where he argued with a man and ended up kicking the man's dog. Uh-uh. Don't do that. So. Don't do that. As soon as you bring a dog into it. It's over with. I have no sympathy for you. If I was on a jury. Oh, death. <laughs> death penalty. Put, give him the chair. Off with his head. Yes. And when the man confronted him like, hey, don't kick my damn dog. Anthony put a gun to his head and shot him. Kristen. In the head? Yes. But luckily, the man, like, moved back just as the gun was fired. So the bullet ended up, like, grazing his forehead. So he lived. Okay. And what happened to Anthony? Girl, Anthony. (laughs) No. Anthony later pleaded guilty to an aggravated battery charge for that crime. So technically, he should have been in jail at the time of the fucking murders. But somehow he wasn't. Girl, that was attempted manslaughter. What you talking about? At the very least. I would just give him second degree because it was by the luck of this man. Right. Who, you know, moved right. in time. He would have been dead if it was up his, to Anthony. Exactly. I was about to say his goal was to take this man's life because he got mad at him for kicking his dog. Girl. Anthony's unfucking hinge. Regardless of if you think he did this to Jerry and Marilyn or not, he's clearly unhinged Girl. and a violent psychopath. Violent, robbing, to and fro, Jack and Jill. <laughs> Can't even help himself, it feels like. Yeah. Got that gun on him wherever he go. Super trigger happy, and trigger happy people are just... Dangerous. You can't, yes, and you can't put anything past them. Mm-hmm. At the end of it all, on September 9th, 1983... The judge, Robert Sklodowski, decided that Anthony Porter should be sentenced to death and called him a, quote, perverse shark. He called him that because he kept going back to, like, the same area. I was going to say, I see it. Mm-hmm. Anthony would go on to appeal his conviction, but it was denied in 1986, and then the U.S. Supreme Court denied his appeal the following year. But he continued to file appeals, attempting to delay his execution for as long as possible. Mm. Which, obviously, I get if you're facing it. If you can save your life, you're going to try. Even if you're going to spend the rest of it in prison, you know, it's better than being dead. Right. And mind you, he always said that he never did it. Mm. He always maintained his innocence. 
But in 1995, the Illinois Supreme Court decided to re- reconsider his sentence, citing his low-ass IQ score. Okay. Mm-hmm. So apparently he scored at 51, which is considered to be mild mental retardation. Okay. So, so this is a real mitigating factor. Correct. They're like, we don't even know if he understands that his life is going to be taken for it to be taken. Okay. And this is something I feel like his first lawyer should have done anyway. That's this fact. is something that should have been they tested known he was a little before off. he even was tried for these murders. Because you can sense that. Yeah. I mean, a 51 is very low. Like, and if you watch the documentary on this case, it's called A Murder in the Park. It's really, really fucking good, y'all. Highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't sound like he's mentally slow. He sounds like he fully understands what's going on. Mm, He just maybe no, like he. I mean, uh, Kristen, people we people we deal with on a daily basis, (laughs) bitch. Don't go there. Get that people you work with. Give a hint of a little slow, but he fully understands what is going on, what he's being tried for, how he feels like he's innocent. And if anything, I just got the vibe that he was just a habitual liar. Okay. That's the vibe that I got. You guys can tell me what you think after you watch the documentary. Mm. The state allowed a professor named David Protest, who was teaching at the Medell School of Journalism at Northwestern University, time for him and a group of his students to look into Anthony's case. Ooh, fun. Mm -hmm. At the time, they were studying the criminal justice system and how the media reported on the death penalty. And a few of the students were Tom McCann, Sean Ambrose, that bitch, ooh, Kristen, that bitch. Sean? Yes, I cannot fucking stand her. Once y'all see the documentary, you're going to be like, even the way she keeps licking her fucking paper thin ass lips <laughs> and blinking like she's needs medical attention. It's just frustrating. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Sean Ambrist, Kara Rubinsky and Lori D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. So the group looked over the available evidence. They had the trial testimonies, court documents, and police reports. So basically, they had everything they needed. Right. And decided to go back to the pool where the murders happened and reenact the crime. Okay. Start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. They concluded that there was no possible way that William Taylor could have even seen Anthony kill the victims from where he was standing that day because there was a big wrought iron fence separating the pool from the bleachers. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. People are lying? Yes. William's lying? Um, That's what it's giving. On top of the investigation they were doing themselves, Professor Protis hired a private investigator named Paul Salino. Okay. Now, I'm just going to tell you straight up. Paul was a sketchy bastard. Paul sounds sketchy, and he sounds Italian. No shade to Italians. <laughs> no shade to Italians, but he's definitely not a good guy. Mm-hmm. One of his selling points as a private investigator was saying that he could work outside of the law and do things that police legally couldn't do. Okay. So so he's prideful about his sketchiness. Mm-hmm. And keep that in mind as this case goes on. Protus had Paul talk with William Taylor. Remember, William was one of the witnesses mm-hmm. of the crime that day. I was coming out the pool. Correct. Mm-hmm. Paul and one of the male students went to William's home and by the end of their meeting, they had a signed statement that said William had never seen Anthony at the park that day. Why would he lie? Kristen, I don't know why he would lie. Maybe they had a vendetta against Mr. Porter because he's a thieving ass nigga. Well, according to what William said, 
since he changed his statement, right? According to what he said, he said he only fingered Anthony because the Chicago Police Department had threatened and harassed him into saying it. Uh huh. Now, at this point, the Chicago PD was kind of under fire because they had been accused of coercion. Yes. Corruptness. Mm-hmm. And getting people to say things that weren't really true in the past. So it was easy for fucking protest and Paul to run with this. And once he did say this, they got him to change his statement. They didn't take it to the police. Oh, no. They went straight to the press. Period. At this point, the police are corrupt. We cannot trust them. That's kind of what they were trying to hide behind. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Protest even went on TV and said that William was the only eyewitness from that night. And since he'd recanted his statement, all evidence against Anthony was null and void. Ooh. Which we we know is a lie. Right. Because at least six people, including a police officer, said that they saw Anthony that night. And at least two of them said that they saw Anthony shoot Jerry and Marilyn. Right. So just because William's out... Mm-hmm. That doesn't account for everybody else. Exactly. So right now he's just protest knows what he's doing because he's not a fucking investigator. He's just a journalist and he is manipulating the fuck out of the media because that's what he knows how to do. Mm-hmm. So he's taking advantage of this. Mm-hmm. Protest also had some of the students visit Anthony while he was on death row. And Anthony told them to look for a woman named Inez Jackson. Ooh. Remember, we talked about her. The wife. Yes, she's now the ex-wife of our story, Simon. And that she would confess that her ex-husband was really the one responsible for the murders. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. So Anthony said, look for her. She'll say exactly what we need her to say because she will claim that she was there that day as well. Oh, my gosh. Yep. It will later be learned that Inez's nephew, Walter Jackson, was locked up at the Danville Correctional Center which is the same place that Anthony was locked up to. Okay, I'm scared for Anthony. Mm-hmm. So they needed to talk to Walter first before they could get to Inez. Okay. And on January 8th, 1999, Walter was visited by the students where he told his side of the story. He claimed that in 1982, he was living with Al Story and Inez. And on the night of the murders, he heard Al Story talking about meeting up with Jerry and Marilyn Uh-oh. because Jerry owed him some money. For drugs. Mama knows best. Because mm. his mama, Marilyn's mama, was talking about our story. She was. Yeah. Our story was apparently seeming agitated, and Walter felt like he may do something bad to Jerry and Marilyn. Uh-oh. Hours later, he returned to the house, and he heard our story tell Inez that he had taken care of Jerry and Marilyn and shot them both with a thirty-eight caliber gun. My God, Kayla. She. Woo! And put Porter on the plate to mm. be served up to the police. Who did? Our story in them. Oh, well, in my opinion, our story, if he did it, he had no control over who the police saw because it's not their fault. It's not his fault that they saw Anthony running away from the scene. It doesn't change the fact that the. This is true, but two other people said that they saw him with a gun pointed at the two individuals. Exactly. So, how could our story have gotten six people That's- to agree? That they saw Anthony and not him. I don't know. That was my question in there. I was like, how was he able to even finesse the situation, especially for so long? Because right now it's 1999 at this point and Anthony's been in prison for, what, 15 years? So who they were really scared of was our story, not Anthony. That's what the, it seems. That's what it's giving. Oh I just God. don't know how our story would have been able to get everyone's stories to corroborate, especially 
that quickly because police got to the scene pretty quickly, especially if they saw Marilyn still bleeding out. And then why was Anthony running away? Exactly. So there's a lot of questions going on here. Walter said our story only admitted this because he felt that Jerry's street gang could possibly try to retaliate and it could affect Walter and Inez. So they planned to leave Chicago for a little while until the heat died down. So that would kind of explain why they left so quickly. Mm-hmm. The students looked for Inez, whose real name was Margaret Simon, to corroborate Walter's story. And she basically did. Oh, yeah. This is a picture of her. She doesn't have any teeth. She's giving. She was on that stuff. No shade. She does. she does give that. She had a past. And she told them that she was in the park that night with our story. So she was with our story, Jerry and Marilyn, and that our story had been irritated all day about the money Jerry owed him. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go back to what the original six said, they said they only saw four people up there. Three men and one woman. Show the... So how did Inez fit into that? That part. Maybe she was passing as a man. Kill, please. Hey, <laughs> the picture that we see of her, it's not... Because the fourth... Giving a drudge. The third male was never identified, right? Right. Oh, my God. So it could... She could have just been looking a little... From a distance. You know? It could have been given male. It's possible. That's a damn shame. <laughs> So high and drunk, our story began arguing with Jerry about the money, and then all of a sudden, shots were fired. He then grabbed Inez, ran down the bleachers, and threatened her life if she told anyone what happened. Mm. So this is what Inez told them. And she admitted all of this on a video recording, and she signed an affidavit. Woo. Put him in the dirt, why don't you? She sure was. The video was later released to and played on CBS News. It was never given to authorities. You know what? I'm cracking up about that because they're like, bump the police. We're not playing with y'all. We're not dealing with y'all. Mm-hmm. We're moving straight to the press, which can be a very good and a very good, bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's especially when someone that knows how the press works is trying to use the press to their advantage. Right. And they're not really going with protocol because when we're talking, we're talking about a double murder and this man is really coming up with all this evidence right all this new evidence which may be true evidence which could be true evidence but the way that he's going about it it just looks very like i want the public to see it this way yeah it's giving like some vigilante stuff like gotham city like we're not taking this as police because we don't trust the police to handle it we'll handle it our own way yeah that's what it's giving P.I. Paul's next job was to track down our story, Simon, and essentially get a confession out of him. Mm. You better watch yourself, P.I. <laughs> Which is exactly what he did. And not only did he get him to confess, he got it on camera. What the heck, Kayla? I'm telling you. Who is this guy? He, I told you, he's a sketchy motherfucker. <laughs> and he's getting shit done. Mm-hmm. But he only agreed to do this after he saw Inez's confession on CBS News. Ooh. Right. He's like, damn. She put me out. put me out like that. That's crazy. So he told him that he shot the two teenagers in self-defense when he thought Jerry was reaching into his pants for a weapon. Mm. Based on these new confessions, the Cook County State Attorney filed a motion for Anthony to be released in February of 1999. But you see that? You see how he didn't even need the police to get the courts to do what they wanted him to do? That's what I'm saying. Once you bring so much media attention to something... And people in the around the whole city, the whole state, know that this is going on. I mean, it forces their hand, yep. which is what he wanted to happen. Yep. They would have no choice. Mm-hmm. 
After spending almost 17 years in prison and just two days before he was scheduled to be executed, my God, Anthony was set free. Oh my God! Again, mm-hmm. we deal with this sh- again. Mm-hmm. And if you guys are on Patreon, you'll see how many people were happy with his relief. Like all the students who work with protests on this, and protest and Anthony actually hugged. And Kristen, you can see, protest literally jumps in his arms. It made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> Wrapped his legs around the man. <laughs> it was a lot. But there was a lot of joy on that day, and he even got to meet the governor. This cracks me up, though, because, Anthony, you were still a dog-ass man. Like, Uh you were still robbing and thieving and rolling up to folks and just having your gun all willy-nilly, you know, pointing at folks. Yep. But... No one wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about that. But at the same time, you shouldn't go down for something you didn't do. That's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. And the governor ended up abolishing the death penalty in the state of Illinois because of Anthony's case. So it was a big deal. Huge deal. Wow. And Kristen, look at this picture of him. This is what he looked like when he got out. Girl. Mm. <laughs> somebody was taking care of his hair, though. I mean, one thing you're going to say is somebody he definitely needed a hair. retwist at that point. It was, a, it was giving a retwist, but at the same time, it was giving growth. It was giving bug in a rug. That's what it was giving. <laughs> Cockroach and... A pot roast. It was giving a little stiff, but it was giving growth. <laughs> He's definitely really gritty and grody, and I would fucking cross the street if I saw his ass. Anthony, you definitely deserve to be in jail, but you definitely <laughs> did not deserve the death penalty. Maybe not. All because of a sketchy P.I. Sketchy P.I. and professor protest and his little minion buttheads but are we really mad because you're giving mad um i know everything so i'm trying to like but we doing that yeah. before shadowing like a mug seven months later on september 7th 1999 Story simon pleaded guilty to both murders and was sentenced to 37 years in prison oh my god Holy Mongolia. They didn't give you much of a plea deal at all. No. That's the rest of your life, our story. Oh, yeah. Well, at least a huge chunk of it. But this is not where our story ends. Oh, my gosh. Wait a minute. Uh Uh-huh. Our story later recanted his confession, saying that he'd been completely taken advantage of, completely bamboozled and coerced into confessing. And here's why. Remember that reenactment those students did in 1998 mm-hmm. at the pool mm-hmm. when they claimed a fence was obstructing the view from the bleachers to the pool. So mm-hmm. there was no way William could have even seen what he claimed he saw. Mm-hmm. Well, come to find out, the fence wasn't even there in 1982. Lord have mercy. Yeah. And had been added a few years later. So there's no way it could have stopped William from seeing another Anthony that day. Okay, but that's just one piece of the puzzle. What about Inez? We're going to get there. Another reason, so this is reason two, William came forward and admitted that P.I. Paul literally threatened his life when he came to visit him and got him to sign that statement that day. I believe it. P.I. Paul, we already know that he's... Was sketchy. Exactly. And even worse, when P.I. Paul went to see our story, which was at like 6.30 a.m., by the way, so he's like ringing the doorbell like there's something... Someone's in distress. That's what our story said. He was like, I thought somebody was, you know, in distress. And at this time admittedly our story had done a bunch of coke that night i drank a bunch of alcohol still on that stuff in the comfort of his own home Mm -hmm. but this is when the man pulled up on him Mm -hmm. with one of his associates Mm -hmm. 
He posed, he meaning Paul, posed as a police officer initially. Paul. Yep. So they like barge into his house, Kristen. Paul's associate is looking around in every single room in Al Story's house, being very extra. Like mm-hmm. he's the police. Mm-hmm. Al Story's like, what the hell is going on? Right. You know what I'm saying? And then he also showed Al Story a video of a man confessing, saying that he saw Al Story at the scene of the crime on the night of the murders. Ooh. Kristen. Turns out it was a paid actor. Ooh. Just a random black man that they got to say this on camera and used it to put our story in a fucking bind. Okay, but like if somebody was lying on me on a camera, I'm still not going to say that I did a crime I didn't do. Well, you may not have said that, but I mean, if you've been doing coke all night, one. Mm. You've been drinking, two. Mm. These people come in here acting like they're the police, three. You had something against... Oh boy, the two people that got shot, because that probably was true. But this is what people are saying. Even when they asked him, remember, back when the mother said, hey, our story could have had something to do with it when it happened, he said, I had no beef with Jerry. No issues. He did. Yeah. So he's looking like, what the fuck is happening? Okay. And we know now, back then, people didn't really understand that people would confess to something they didn't do, but we know now it does happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Paul told our story that if he confessed to the murders, he would be saving the life of Anthony Porter, which is what protests wanted anyway. He was heavily against the death penalty, so he was trying to do whatever he could to get Anthony off death row. Okay. And he was also doing this with other inmates that were on death row. I think there was like four people that he got off of death row around that time. Okay. And if he pled guilty, they would get him the best lawyer in Chicago and would more than likely only serve two years. Oh, Right. So he straight up lied to this man, manipulated this man to the to down the point to the where bone. And, and then he did it before when he went to Walter, when he went to William. Thank you. William, the witness. Yes. And he probably did it with Inez. Oh, we're going to get to Inez. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. This so, is too much. It is, Kristen. And we're not even to the most fucking ridiculous part. This is ring around the rosy pocket full of posies. Grab death a, everywhere. Grab a hand and yeah. Fall to the ground. <laughs> okay. So they said, hey, you'll only serve two years because we'll be able to convince a jury that you committed the murders out of self-defense. Uh-huh. And that he would get a movie deal after he got out, a bunch of money, and would never have to work again. I'm sorry, <laughs> All stereo, all stereo, all, all delirium, story, bitch. All delirium. Why would you all believe delirium. this man? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you believe this random white man that come into your house at six in the morning talking about blase blase? I get it. Mm-hmm. He's already a little twisted. He's mm-hmm. waking up, you know. But dang, like people can really can just come into your life and feed you a lie, and, and you can believe it. it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was like, damn, our story. Damn, I wish he was in a better position. To inquire. Exactly. Exactly. So because you guys listen to our show, we know you like a little bit of true crime and a little bit of comedy mixed together. Mm -hmm. And we're here to tell you about a show called True Crime Obsessed. You've probably heard of it before because they honestly have a huge community of listeners already. But they reached out to us and wanted to advertise on our show. Period. I think they're super stinking cute. Mm-hmm. Super stinking funny. Mm-hmm. They've been at the top of the podcast charts for over six years. And they keep a really good balance of humor and respectability and thrill in their show. They cover a lot of cases that have been featured on documentaries. So we highly suggest checking them out. You can find their show 
on basically any platform that you listen to your podcast and let us know what you guys think period especially check out the selena one guys you know we love selena anything for selena's okay back to the episode And our story asked Paul to leave his house so many times, but Paul just straight up refused to leave and continued to try to talk him into confessing, Mm. which is like illegal as fuck. Mm -hmm. Our story was threatened by Paul and his associate. They told him he was going on death row regardless of what he wanted or not, unless they, he worked with them and did what they wanted him to do. And then they wrote down what they wanted him to say. My God. They even practiced how he would confess. And once they felt like he was convincing enough, they pulled out the video camera and started taping him. My God. Kristen, this is, this is This is disgusting. This is why the police hate certain PIs. PIs in general. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you think you're above the law. And Paul definitely admitted out of his own mouth that Mm -hmm. he could do things that were Mm -hmm. legally not okay. Mm Mm-hmm. The lawyer they promised our story ended up being Paul's own personal lawyer. So the motherfucker wasn't on our story side at all. And he ended up getting 37 years because the lawyer didn't give a fuck. And got a man out of prison mm-hmm. and didn't go through the law to do it. Yep. Completely through media. Completely through manipulating the masses. This is <laughs> sick. You gotta fucking pay attention to what they're showing you because... A lot of it can be smokescreen shit to try to make you think something or to distract you from something else. But this is crazy because we're so used to people with power, like the police, who are given power from the government to do these type of things. Mm-hmm. We're not used to just a small man, P.I., creating all this ruckus. And Professor Protis, don't forget, because he's the one that's, his face is on these news stories, and he's the one that's doing all these interviews. Right. He's benefiting from Dirty P.I. Paul. Correct. Oh, my God. The lawyer, Jack Remlin, even gave protest Kristen, listen to this, an award for the work they did getting Anthony out of jail while he was still representing our story. You cannot make this shit up. But it's all a lie. What are you giving him an award for? Because they're all in cahoots and caboots. They're all in the same bed together, jacking each other off. Protest is jacking Paul and Paul is jacking Jack. Oh, my God, Kayla. And the police are probably looking like, ooh, I oughta. The police is, they're sick to their stomach. They're pissed because you have to know, while they're saying all this to the media, they're basically shitting on the police you department. You know they are. Telling, them that they're corru- telling everyone that they're corrupt down to the bone. Absolutely. And that the whole, their whole investigation was bullshit. Kayla, please. Unfucking believable This is... This is too much. This is too dynamic for me. Yep. Too much duality and tripality and quadrupality for <laughs> me. These are not words. I know. But still, <laughs> this is a mess. In other words. This is crazy. Who did it? And <laughs> we're going to get to it. And do you think they took the confession that they taped about story to the prosecution? No, they didn't. They sent it to CBS. Once it was, again. It was played on fucking the news everywhere. And basically exonerated Anthony in the eyes of the media. This man was above his time though. Like this man was beyond his time. P.I. Paul. P.I. Paul knew to mess with the media. That's some shit that you see nowadays. But that's the thing. It's not P.I. Paul. It's protest. I keep telling you it's protest. P.I. Paul is just the worker. Exactly. Worker B. Getting the shit done. Professor protest is the mind. Exactly. Oh Jesus. Yep. And if you're wondering about the confession from Inez and Walter Jackson, please, which is his ex-wife and her nephew, 
Those turned out to be lies too and were orchestrated by Anthony from prison. Kristen? Excuse me? Hold on to your titty. Hold on to your titterlings. Apparently Walter, who was in prison for first degree murder at the time, and some of his associates were supposed to get shanked one day in the prison yard. And Anthony knew about it. So he warned Walter. So Walter didn't go out to the yard that day, but his associates did and they got shanked. Ooh. So since Anthony saved Walter's life, Anthony decided that Walter could do oh, the same mm-hmm. by blaming the two murders on Al's story. And he had to get his aunt Inez to do the same. This is too much. Kristen. This is too much. This is so calculated. Oh, it's sick. It's and it all bad. comes together. Mm-hmm. And Anthony got free. This is some Gotham City shit. <laughs> This is some fiction fairy tale writing. Stuff. Yeah, if I ever seen it. <laughs> the streets of Chicago, they played you, played you like a fool. <laughs> played you like a fiddle. How do you feel? The people of Chicago, they really played in y'all's face bad with faces. this case. Protests talked with Walter and said that if he was able to help them, they would help him get out of jail early. Mind you, Walter's in there for fucking first degree murder. How mm-hmm. you gonna get him out early? Mm-hmm. Oh, you gonna play the same Game. little game you have people lying and coercing people and shit and to entice inez to confess to the lie they would help get inez's son whose name was Sonny, out of prison early as well because he was serving time everybody in prison yep yep and that's why she agreed to lie they also promised her some money too of course because money moves all you have to do is give people money and then they act like everything's coochie coo we saw how people acted when they got the stimulus check from trump <laughs> and now like oh trump's a good guy because he got us he gave us a check i spent that so quick <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know where it went, I don't know where it went. <laughs> probably rent bitch what probably rent what was twelve hundred dollars 14 whatever but just yeah. like media moves the masses mm-hmm. money, money moves, moves the, the masses. masses it's just so corrupt i could throw the fuck up oh my god this is nice yeah and if you don't think she was in on it, because if you're like, you know, eh, maybe Inez stretch. wasn't right. Inez's own daughter said that her mother never mentioned her or Alstory even being at the park that night. She said the first time she ever heard about that was in 1999 when they recorded her mother confessing, quote unquote. Girl. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you'll see in the documentary, once you watch it, you have to watch it. She said, you know, I love my mom, but from the beginning, something wasn't right. Ooh. A.K.A. my mom was lying. Yep. <laughs> in the nicest way without snitching on her mom. And in 2005, Inez herself admitted it two months before she died. She was extremely sick and on her deathbed when she decided to tell the truth about what really happened. And here it is from her own mouth. Did all story Simon was involved in their murders? No. I was angry. You were angry? Who were you angry at? I was angry with Al. Did Walter Jackson ask you to help him? Yes. What did he want you to do? To tell a lie to get him out of jail. To tell a lie and get him out of jail? Is that right? Yes. What was the lie he wanted you to tell? To say that that Al was in the pot. Did they promise you money from Bookwright's deal? They did? Yeah. Who promised you money from Bookwright? The man invited books with him because he gave me a book with his face on it. Dave Protest gave you yeah. a book with his face on it? Yeah, he a dick bitch. Yep, Dave fucking protest. Protest was there. Yep. He was a part of the lie, like face to face with Inez. Yeah, participating in the lie. 
yeah he tried to like keep as distant from it as he could for a certain amount of time but they even had written evidence that showed that he promised financial gain from her cooperation he if needs she to cooperated. go to, he needs to go to jail i agree i agree because this is just this is undermining the justice system in every sense of the word and the justice system isn't always right we completely and utterly know that but what he did was just unforgivable in my opinion yeah because if you're gonna undermine the justice system at least let it be for a good reason you know show us that this can be used for good but you used it for evil i mean in his mind he was doing it for a good reason because he was doing it to try to get the death penalty abolished in the state he was using all these cases and showing like hey you see how the justice system gets it wrong it's not worth having it if you're possibly putting innocent men to death. But then you just put an innocent man, Alsteria, mm-hmm. in, 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 in prison for 37 mother effing years. Yeah. Yeah. That's That makes you know better. Just because you didn't sentence him to death, you basically did. I agree. But you know people can justify things in their head if it makes sense to them. This is wild, y'all. Unbelievable. And then Inez, you low down. Bitch. She didn't give a damn. Like, I know, you know, the man left the relationship and stuff because more details are included in the documentary. He kind of left the relationship. She was upset about how it ended and she wanted to get back at him. I just couldn't imagine being that vindictive and hateful Mm -mm. to try to set someone up for a fucking double murder Mm -mm. just for a little bit of coin. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It's sick. So I know she she died. But, you know, it's really fucked up. Yeah, because you can't trust folks. Mm-hmm. And she didn't say shit until she was on her deathbed. Exactly. So somebody could lie to you for years yep. and you would never know. Yep. After investigating for about a year and finding all this fucked up shit out, the Cook County State's Attorney Office decided to rescind 64-year-old Al Story's conviction and he was freed from prison in 2014. Oh, my God. After spending 15 years of his life in prison. So now you got two people, potentially. Porter? So did Porter do it? This is too much. Because uh, now I'm confused as to who the F killed Marilyn... Marilyn and Jerry. And Jerry. Well, we're going to get to it. State attorney Anita Alvarez said that the investigation done by the Innocence Project, quote, involved a series of alarming tactics that were not only coercive and absolutely unacceptable by law enforcement standards, they were potentially in violation of Mr. Simon's constitutionally protected rights. Absolutely. They were in violation. It wasn't potentially, ho. They played us all. Absolutely everyone for fucking fools. And technically, to this day, the double murder case is still unsolved. You gotta be kidding me. I wish I was. So we don't know. Can't please. I wish I was. Our story sued Northwestern University's Innocent Project. Good for him. And during the trial, the students in protest were interviewed and they admitted that they never interviewed the witnesses that were in the park that night, despite knowing they existed. Yes. Like that little crusty, dusty uh, Sean that I mentioned, mm-hmm. that, that one with the fucking fish face. Mm-hmm. I'll probably include a picture of her on Patreon. Her excuse was, oh, I must have missed that part in the report. You a lie. Like what? So I'm just trying to figure out, were y'all just as in on it as Professor Protest 
was. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Did they know what they were doing or were they coerced just as much as everybody else was? Maybe they were pointed in a specific direction by protests, like saying, hey, look at this and not this. And they didn't ask no questions And they didn't ask it. no questions. But also, they were fucking journalists. This was a class that they took electively. This wasn't even... They weren't qualified to be doing any of what the fuck they were doing. And yet here they are. Oh my God. They yep. played us like a fiddle. Yep. And when Protus was asked why he didn't implore the students to interview the witnesses, he said it was because witnesses are unlikely to be found. Even though he never tried to find them. He only tried to find one, which, which was, was William. William, and tried to turn him. And did. And and did. All he needed was one. My God. Unfucking believe. Where was Henry? Where was all the ones exactly. that was there? Y'all didn't reach out to none of them. Mm-mm. They framed it how they wanted to frame it. And like I said, why would they look for the other witnesses when he got on TV and said William was the only eyewitness? Lies. So <laughs> looking for the other witnesses would have just contradicted what he was telling everyone. Mm-mm. And that piece of shit, Paul, he even admitted how he bulldozed our story into a false confession saying, quote, we just bull rushed him and mentally he couldn't recover. Said yeah. it out of his Said it out of his his pompous, pussy-faced mouth. But you see how maniacal and I dare say evil as a mother effort mm-hmm. people can be? Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing and they do not care. Matter of fact, they intended to do it. Yep. And sleep like babies at night. Just, just the sociopathy, the amount of sociopaths walking among us and just put them in a situation to show it, they're going to fucking show it. Oh, y'all be careful. Yep. He also said the following on TV. And if you're on Patreon, you can see his smug, fat face as he says it. (laughs) I hate him. I don't have any rules. Supreme Court says I can lie, cheat, do anything I can to get him to say whatever I got to get him to say. The Chicago Police Department is masters at it. So is every other police department. Kayla, I'm disgusted. (laughs) Oh, he looks like he eats poop. He does look like he sits a, under a booty hole yeah. for sexual <laughs> gratification and has somebody yuck in his mouth. Yes. You went in. Yes. He, <laughs> his tight sphincter of a mouth pisses me clean off because he's a nasty man. Yep. Yep. This is so wild. And out of Al Story's own mouth, he said he felt like his life was in danger when it came to Paul Cialino and even protests, saying the following in a jailhouse interview. I strongly believed and felt that I wouldn't have had a chance to sit on death row no five years, not even no five months. I believe they would have killed me immediately. And they probably would have. That's the crazy part. I mean, they, shit. But they, but that's how maniacal they are because Professor Protest's whole agenda was to get the death penalty off. Mm-hmm. But they used the death penalty to convince Alstery mm-hmm. to be, yep. to say that he did it. Yep. This yep. is disgusting. Ooh! The level of manipulation is probably, I mean, some of the most shocking shit that I've, I've seen. I think that we've covered on this case. This is more... This I mean, this show. Yes, because this is just as dangerous as a psychopath who kills 15 and 16 people and keeps going and keeps going. Yeah. Because this is... You are now manipulating a person into thinking they're going to die. Yeah. That's almost just as worse as putting the gun to the head... Putting the gun to their head themselves. Yourself, yep. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. 
Alstory ended up winning his case against the Innocence Project. Period. And was awarded an undisclosed amount in June 2018. Undisclosed? We need to know. Well, you know how they do when they settle. Mm. And they're like, okay. Somebody needs to go to jail. I, I agree, bitch. These people, some of these people don't deserve to be free. No. In 2003, about four years after his release, Anthony sued the city of Chicago for $24 million. For what, Kayla? The greedy shithead. He's out. He said, oh, I'll story did it. Mm-hmm. I want to do it. Bitch, <laughs> you are part of the plan. He even claimed that he was tortured by police and that they put a bag over his head and choked him out with it. They Something probably. Kristen, mind you, he never mentioned in the 16 to 17 years he'd been locked up. Never, ever mentioned it. But now in your lawsuit, you're claiming they did this to you. And then in the show, he does a lot of, they have like a lot of little clips of him interviewing. And he's basically saying, you know, I've suffered for a long time and I deserve compensation. Bitch, fuck you. Fuck you. Okay. Anthony, you probably did it though. Like, that's the crazy part. Like, mm-hmm. William lied about his testimony. But did Henry? Did all the other right. witnesses that saw your mother freaking tail there, did right. they lie? Right. You probably did it. Mm-hmm. And you got the nerve to try to sue. What money you got to sue? Girl, you know how things like this go. I know, and then protest is a, let's Let's be real. Protest was probably backing him with his nasty, You need to sit ass. your raggedy tail down, right. okay? You got a lawsuit of your own. Right. The city refused to settle with him, so the case went to trial. Because the city's like, we're not admitting to shit that we that we didn't do. We got it right the first time, right. and y'all were manipulated into right. letting him go. Right. So they went to trial, and the city argued that Anthony really did commit the murders, and the city actually won that case. Period. So Anthony walked away with nothing from that. But, but his freedom. He did walk away with his freedom, and he did walk away with $60,000 from the state for the wrongful conviction. Because... Remember, he was charged with the robbery as well, and that conviction stayed. Mm-hmm. So he was acquitted for the murder, the murders, mm-hmm. but not the robbery, which means he had to have been in the park to commit the robberies. So why would you think that it's so far-fetched that he committed the murders? Whatever. Lazy-ass shit. But, yeah. And he better be thanking his lucky stars that he got away with $60,000, right. and he's not in prison anymore. Right. But probably didn't do him too much good because 66-year-old Anthony Porter ended up dying on June 25th, 2021 from what was considered to be a drug overdose. So he didn't change his life for the better. He was still on bullshit. You, I just, Kayla, I'm weak in the knees with how much evil people can really just be. Mm -hmm. It was a collaborative effort, Kayla. Yeah, Yeah, it was. And the fact that... P.I. Paul and Professor Protest never faced any criminal charges for coercing witnesses and obstruction of justice. Just makes me want to vomit. It was apparently because of the state attorney, she said, the statute of limitations had passed by this point. Girl. But the professor did lose his job at the school and he went on to become the head of Chicago's Innocence Project. Protest did, yes. Are you okay? Are we okay? No. Are we living? Are we alive? Is this real? (laughs) <laughs> how could he become the head because they saw how manipulative and that's yeah, the thing yeah so you get so now you get praised mm-hmm. for your manipulative ass efforts mm-hmm. and like now the innocence project is like okay well let's take you on even though that was evil as hell yeah you got the work done so let's give you a job yeah 
and and if you see him like they do interviews with him on the documentary even from the deposition that they had in regards to the lawsuit i mean he's so manipulative he tries to play with his words to where you're confused you're not really sure what he's talking about if you're a simple-minded fucking fool but for me as soon as i saw it i was like he's he's a liar he is he is you know saying carefully what he can without admitting what he did and somebody fell for this shit someone actually fell for this shit and I know who it was. It was the people. It I was, was the say, media. It was everybody. It, it, was, like, it was the governor. Everybody shook his hand and praised him like he did something good. This is why Outrageous. it's more than just being smart. It's being having discernment, y'all. Yep. Where is the discernment? Yep. Yep. And then what's so crazy is both men claim that they did nothing wrong still to this day. And they still believe our story was guilty. Yeah, and then Paul had the fucking audacity to sue our story in 2020 for defamation. Kayla, are you okay? Like, Kayla, are we... I'm about to throw all this shit, Krista. I'm about to throw <laughs> all of this shit. This is the wildest case so far in the sense of, like, mouth dropped. Yeah. Is this really happening? I'm not even mad at the police. I'm not mad at them today. No. Not on this case. I'm And I'm, 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 I'm shocked. I'm even more mad that I'm not mad at them. <laughs> like, now you got me on the police side? That's how to know you fucked up. It's people that are effed up mm-hmm. on so, either side. So he tried to sue our story. He tried to sue the Alvarez lady, the Anita Alvarez, the state attorney, sued her for defamation, all this shit. You better I wasn't your ass down. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't able to find the outcome of that suit, but I'm hoping they didn't get, he didn't get a damn penny because F him with a 10 foot pole. And yeah, I hope he rots. This is sick. Hi, Paul. P.I. Paul, you are a dirty mother sucker. Yep. And Professor Protest, you nasty too. Like honestly, yeah. I can see like how somebody like on the good side of things is saying we need we might need a little evil. We mm-hmm. might need a little someone who can dip their toe in some dirty waters to help us win. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I wouldn't want to fool with him whatsoever because he could pull that same stuff on me. Yep. You should have saw how our story was visibly. He was crying when he was talking about how scared he was when they were in the house, when he was um, recalling what was happening, when he was telling them, no, get out, all that type of stuff. They put a hand on their gun. There was a gun in the house. These are people that are pretending to be police officers, put a gun on the hip, talking about we can do this the easy way or the hard way. Two white men. threatening his, in his home. You're threatening his life, bro. And they're caught. They claim to be cops. Like, he knows what's going on or he thinks he knows. He like he knows something is happening here, whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. I'm scared and I could lose my life today or in five months. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. I feel for our story. I really do. I don't know if you guys agree, if you guys think he really did it or where y'all stand, but usually I don't make such permanent statements but i do i feel like our story didn't fucking do it i think anthony 100 percent did and i'm sick to my stomach that protest and paul put their big ass beak ass noses in this and really bombed this case like this and, and you know, ruined this man's life yep and you know what it takes away from the fact of jerry and mary lynn's murder that they because i almost forgot they Marilyn. they're the ones who actually deserved yep. you know respect in this case deserved that That, and it was taken away and all this mess is what's drawing attention not them but this the bullshit yep so rest in peace to Marilyn and jerry 
I mean, I, I, my heart goes out to their families to even have to live through all of this confusion, thinking that you know who did it and then you don't and then you know and then you don't. It's just, it, it's unfair to their legacy. It's unfair to the people that are still here that love them every day. And I couldn't imagine what they go through. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Our story said about him being released from prison. He said, quote, it's like a frightening experience in a sense. I've got to get adjusted all over again. I was so used to being confined for so long that I still feel a sense of solitude is a security blanket. Yeah. I was surprised by how much fear I had crossing the street. I feel more comfortable being secluded in my room. And so now like- he's messed up for life. Yeah, this man's like, what, he was 64 when they let him out? I mean, he's he's an older guy, you know, and while he was in jail, 14 out of the 15 years that he was in prison, he spent in a cell 23 hours a day. Kayla, this man is messed up for life. All because one person said his name one time, and down the road, they came back to collect on that, on some corrupt-ass shit. Never be surprised of what people are capable of. Mm-hmm. I can't even say that to myself enough times mm-hmm. to believe it and, and get it as deep in my heart as I needed to get. Yep. Never be surprised. Unbelievable. So that's our case for this week. I know it was a longer one, but yeah, I had to share it with you guys. I had to do the research because there was a lot to look at, a lot to, to try to uh, summarize together. But you blew us out the water. I'm just going (laughs) to say it like, oh, my gosh, my heart, my mind cannot comprehend the level of manipulation that this case had within it. So and the lack of accountability for those who did the manipulating. And they didn't even go to jail. They didn't even go to jail. Protest is a is a part of the Chicago Innocence Project is ahead of it. I don't know if he still is because I hate him and he makes me want to vomit. I didn't even Google his dusty ass. Paul doesn't even wipe when he shits. I hate him. Ew. But yeah. And Paul, I hope you're somewhere rotting. The audacity of you to even sue our story is just blows my fucking mind. Woo! Who raised you? Animals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, guys, what do you think? Whoa, whoa, whoa. let us know. (laughs) Let us know what you guys thought about this week's case. So crazy. We hope you enjoyed it. And happy early birthday to Kristen. (laughs) This blew my mind. This was a dope birthday case. Thanks, sister. Absolutely phenomenal. You did great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we love you guys. Thank you guys for listening as always. And yeah, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast, World's Christian, Spotify, and even Facebook. Mm -hmm. And all right. We hope you have a great weekend. And with that being said, be Be safe, safe, protect protect your peace, and protect protect your space. space, So we we don't don't have have to cover cover your case. case, Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time.